Well, good morning, Brookside. Hey, it's great to see everybody this morning. Well, hey, as Rob said, um, we are coming up on some really exciting days as a church these next two weeks. And in light of that, in light of the egg drop coming on next Saturday and then our Easter services, um, I wanted to invite you to something special that we're going to do on Wednesday. You know, as, as these next two weeks come and as we think about what will really be hundreds and hundreds of guests will come to our campus for the first time, um, we wanted to set aside a day. And so on Wednesday of this week, we want to invite you to come to the church, um, come park your car, and just do one lap, maybe two laps, whatever, but walk around the building. And we're just encouraging everybody, would you come and would you pray? As Rob said, um, we are really just asking God to do some significant things in our midst. And so would you come and just spend some time praying? If it's raining, that's okay. Just stay in your car, make a lap. It, it's feels like a racetrack sometimes around there. So just come and, and drive around, and but really just pray. And uh, let's just seek God together. You know, I live just a couple um, blocks from here, we do. And, and oftentimes we'll be talking to a neighbor or someone in the area, and I find out that they have no idea where this church is, just blocks from here. And so what we're hoping is that this Easter egg drop will actually draw some attention to this campus and that people will come and go, oh, there's a church there. And, and then eventually, obviously, our prayer is that people um, are able to find and to follow Christ uh, together. So would you come Wednesday and let's just pray over this place and just say, God, together we're asking you uh, to do some significant things in our midst. Well, today we are in our series continuing on in the book of Acts. And today we come to chapter 10. And I think I can speak for all of us on this one. We love, don't we? We love breakthrough moments. Have you ever had one of those moments where maybe even right now you feel like, man, my back is against the wall in an area of my life. And it's so great, isn't it, when God just breaks through. It's so great when you see God, whether it's in a career or in a relationship, maybe in your marriage or maybe in some good cause that you're really seeking to, to kind of move forward. But you know and you get to that place in your life where you just go, this is only going to happen if God, if you come through, if you truly break through. We love it when that happens around here. We get to celebrate it often and we do. We celebrate God's breakthroughs, whether they're small or whether they're large. Well, what we've seen over and over again as we've been journeying through the first nine chapters of the book of Acts is what we've seen is that the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to break through. We see that the gospel shows up to things that are broken and it provides restoration and healing and people experience grace and forgiveness and new life in Christ. The gospel comes in, we've seen it again and again and again, and it breaks we saw this uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and then until the ends of the earth. In other words, it's saying that the gospel, it's going to start in Jerusalem and then it's going to go out of that circle and then to the next circle. But it's going to keep inhabiting new places and it's going to break through. It's going to come with power, and the gospel is going to change lives. Maybe you've seen God break through recently in an area of your life, and you just celebrate it. You go, God, thank you. Oh, I desperately needed a breakthrough. Before this morning, we go to the breakthrough that we're going to see in, in chapter 10. I want to just recount for you some of the things that we've seen so far as we've journeyed through this, this book together. We saw in Acts chapter 2, and then we saw it again in Acts chapter 4. 
that God breaks through and there were people that were far from God and then they found him. We saw in Acts chapters 3 and chapter 8 that there were people that had physical or spiritual bondage. And, and again, what happened? The gospel came. It brought healing. It brought restoration. We saw in chapters 4 and 5 that there was a need for courage. What happened? The gospel came through. The apostles got courage. God broke through in that moment. The gospel was proclaimed. We saw in Acts chapter 8 that even geographical lines get, get broken because of the gospel. We saw that Philip took the gospel um, from himself and he gave it to this Ethiopian man. And again, the gospel broke through. Be reminded this morning. That every time we see a breakthrough happen in the book of Acts and in our own lives, it's because of the gospel. It's because of the message of Jesus Christ and how it's coming and how it's breaking through. Today, so important, in Acts chapter 10, we're going to see the gospel, the message of Christ. It's going to break right through this dividing wall of ethnicity. We're going to see that the idea of the gospel, that, that you and I can receive grace and forgiveness and new life in Christ, we're going to see that that applies to each and every person on the planet, to every ethnicity, to every tribe, every tongue, every language, and every single race. There's no one in here, I guarantee it. If you've ever felt this way, if you've ever been excluded or shunned or you've been the outsider looking in, there's no one in this room that likes that feeling. It's horrible. This whole idea, the thing that we're talking about this morning, it's not a topic that, that is small. It's not one that's irrelevant, particularly in our culture. It's one that in, in, in very clear, some very specific ways, our culture oftentimes can think of outsiders or insiders. It can think along the lines of excluding others. And oftentimes what we see, you and I know this is relevant to our culture today in 2017. Oftentimes it's because of race. You've heard this saying probably before. It's a very common statement. The black eye of American culture re revolves around race relationships. But it wasn't just a problem, it's not just a problem for us, 2017. This was a huge problem in the, early, the formation of the early church. We see that, that Luke denotes not just one chapter, not just two, 10 and 11 to this topic, but we see it comes up again and again and again. He gives it a lot of space because it's such an important topic. But today... We're going to see this beautiful picture that I think reveals the heart of God. Remember, as we go through the book of Acts, we see these glimpses of what can the church look like? What are the good things that it should model? The picture that we're going to see this morning, I think, is one of the most beautiful pictures we've seen up to this point. It's such a good picture. It's one that as I think about my identity in Christ, as I think about being called a Christian, there's a part of me that says the first word that comes to mind on that is thankful. Wow, I'm thankful, God, that you've redeemed me. God, you saw my life before I knew you, and you rescued me from that, and you brought me into relationship with you. And so I'm thankful, but when I look at what this text for this morning, I say, I am proud to associate with the wisdom of Jesus Christ and the love of God. I'm proud of it. I'm proud to have that identity. And so I want to pray for us this morning as we, before we jump into this uh, special, I think, uh, just an important topic 
But I want us to pray together in a special way. Many of you know that one of our GO teams right now is in Zambia. They got there on Thursday and they joined a team of Zambians. There they are. That picture was taken uh, actually just hours ago. And so, so they're there with um, some Zambians. In the, they were in the capital city of Lusaka and now they're heading to Serenje where they'll be doing work with the Hope Center. And what's special, though, about this year's trip is that it's being led by Marjorie Malamba. And many of you know her. She is the woman that was here with the rest of our Zambian friends a little over a year ago. And uh, just a wonderful woman. And what she did was she sensed a prompting from God. She left a very good job that she had in Lusaka. And she moved to Serenje to fill a hole that there was at the Hope Center for, to have a new director. So she stepped into that position and now these two teams are together and they're going to be doing some great work this week. And so with that said, I asked Marjorie, I said, Marjorie, we know you guys will all be together on Sunday morning. Would you pray um, for us before we open up your word today? So yeah, here's Marjorie. Good morning, Brooksiders. This is Marjorie, all the way from Zambia. It is, it is such an honor and a privilege to be able to pray with you via Skype. Jeff asked that I pray before the sermon, and I just want to um, say thank you for all the work that you're doing uh, with the Hope Center. The children send their love and their thanks for all that you have blessed them uh, with. And it's such a joy to see their happy faces even as they come to the center, and it's all because of what you do. Um, you can pray now. I'm going to pray in English first, and then I'll pray in Bemba. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that this is a day that you have made. We thank you, Lord, for the joy of being in your house to worship you and to praise you. Father, as we sit under your word this morning, ladies, Speak to us, may it bring life, may it bring hope into every situation. Father, thank you for Jeff, and we ask that you use him as your vessel as he speaks uh, to each and every one of us, that your word will bring hope and your word will bring life. Father, we pray, may your name be glorified through this word in Jesus' name. Mwelesa tuwa mitote la pabushuku walelo, tuwa mitote la pandumili wakulu, tuwa mitote la chichero chenu chala leta umweo nohu mikubantu wenu. Mwelesa mubabonke wa Jeff, yodo bala shinkila, atichine chine mwishikulu bukulu wenu, bulangishiwe. Yonsef tuwa lomba, tila mwishina wenu, mwelesu kriski. Amen. Thanks again, Brookside. Have a blessed Sunday. Bye. I think we should have her do that every week. Yeah, isn't that great to see her? It's awesome. Beautiful. Okay, you guys ready? Let's flip or turn or click there right now. Uh, Acts chapter 10, all right? We're going to start in verse 1. Here we go. It says, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius. We'll come back to him. We'll talk about him a little bit. He was a centurion, what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. And he gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him with fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who was called Peter. 
He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel spoke to him, had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened, and he sent them on to Joppa. Now, here's the thing. So here's what's happening. God speaks to this man named Cornelius. Now, this is important. We know this about Cornelius. He's of the Italian cohort. We know this about him. He is a Gentile. And so God appears to him in this vision, and God says, I want you to bring to your house this guy, Cephas. He's called Peter. I want you to bring Peter to your house. Now, what's important to know about Peter is Peter was not a Gentile. Peter was a Jew. Uh, and so this God-fearing man, Cornelius, says, okay, I, I, maybe I don't want to do that, or maybe I don't fully understand what you're saying to me, Lord, but he does it. He obeys. And so Cornelius sends his men to go get this Jew, Peter, and says, hey, bring him back to our, our home. So while they are en route to get Peter, then this is what happens next. It says this. It says, about noon the following day as they were on their journey, so they're going to get Peter, they're approaching the city. Peter, while all that's happening, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, it says he fell into a trance and he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. Try to imagine this. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now you might be thinking, Peter, God just provided lunch. I mean, Peter, get up, kill and eat. This is like a meat buffet, Peter. What's the problem? I mean, Peter, this is great. Grab the bag of charcoal, get the marinades going. You're about to have a meat lover's meal. This is a good thing. No, this wasn't a good thing for Peter at all. He would have cringed at this. Because in Peter's mind, everything that's just been described is what he would refer to as a Jew, as completely unclean. Peter was raised to think, I stay away from that. Mama always told me no. Daddy always said, you stay away from that. That stuff and those people unclean. Imagine it for a second. What did your parents maybe raise you to say, to stay away from, to abstain from? Imagine this sheet coming down from heaven. It's got a joint on it and a bottle of Jack Daniels. And here it comes right down into your midst. Get up, smoke, and drink. Now, I know it's church. I, I get it, right? But it's that shocking. This would have been appalling to him. He would have said, no. Everything in me disdains what you're talking about. There's no way that I can do that. And so what did he say? say? He said, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Peter was raised up with these dietary laws that he followed. Things that said, do not do this, do do that. Do not do this, do do that. And so what did he do? It says the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure, Peter, that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back up to heaven. Now imagine this moment. What must have this been like for Peter? While all of it's happening, though, there's this knock, knock, knock on the door, and there's Cornelius' men, and they're there to get Peter. And so the Lord says to Peter, Peter, don't hesitate to go with them. It's okay. I want you to go to Cornelius' house. And so they take Peter, and Peter ends up, opens the door. He goes into Cornelius' house, and there's not just one Gentile, Cornelius, before him, but there's a group of Gentiles there before him, which would have been odd 
for him. And as he's there and begins to talk to them, the light comes on for him. And he realizes, okay, this is why God gave me this vision. And this is why I feel a little bit awkward. But now I know why I'm here. And now I know why God said what he said. The light goes on for him. And he tells those people in that gathering, he says, okay, I get it now. God has said that there is, I'm not to call anything impure or unclean. In other words, Gentiles, I guess we're on the same playing field. Everybody here in the room, I guess this is really true. My circle isn't any better than your circle. We're on a completely level playing field. And then he said these very key verses in verse 34 and 35, very key. He said, he says, then Peter began to speak and he said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. But he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Have you ever noticed just how easy it is to associate people that are just like you? Have you ever noticed that? You walk into a room where you know everybody and everybody kind of looks like you and talks like you. And maybe they, you know, are in the same economic category as you or whatever the category is you could come up with. It's easy, isn't it? C.S. Lewis refers to it as your circle. It's those that are like you whether it's because of education or income or race, he says this, he says it's easy to stay in your circle, but it is extremely hard. Though it is right, it is extremely hard to get out of your circle. Let's keep going. So imagine Peter's there and chapter 11, the beginning of it, Peter shares the gospel with this group of Gentiles and it's so evident that the people in the room now they get it. They put their faith in Christ. Man, they're saying, wow, we're in, and it's evident. And so Peter then makes a big statement. Okay, you put your faith in Christ. Now identify with him through baptism. And so Peter says this. He says, surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized. So again, we see in the book of Acts this, this pattern. You, you, a person comes to know Christ, and you say, wow, I receive through Christ grace and forgiveness and mercy, and, and God gives me purpose and a plan for my everything, but when I receive that, okay, I'm a Christian now, my response is, okay, I identify with Christ. We see that pattern. So, so now there's this baptism. Imagine this for a second. You've got this group of Gentiles with now this group of Jews, and what are they celebrating? They're unified. They're celebrating life in Jesus Christ. It is what a beautiful picture it must have been. Maybe you found this to be true, that even just one simple interaction sometimes with somebody who's different from you, that can break down all sorts of walls that you maybe even assumed were just naturally there. God shows no favoritism. I love it in Revelations chapter 7, we see this picture of what heaven will be like and What's so beautiful about this picture is that in the picture, you see people from every tribe and every tongue and every language. There is no divide. There is no barrier. There is no favoritism. But there is this unity in Christ. A couple of years ago, I began to write down, as Steve and I began to transition, I began to write down some of my long-term dreams for Brookside. <clears throat> And this isn't really my dream. I believe it's God's desire. But it's, it's this dream that as the months and as the years go by, I said, God, if, if you would allow me to, to, be, to be a part and to, to be a part of what you're doing and to lead Brookside with the church, 
God, if you would allow that, one of my prayers for the church is that as the years and the months go by, we would continue to grow to be a multi-ethnic church where the world looks at the church and goes, we're not sure. It seems like everybody else can't get along, but for some reason, that church, they're unified together, and it must be because they worship somebody who is so good and who is so glorious. That's what brings them together in unity. And so I pray that for Brookside. I think a very real application that comes out of this text this morning is this, that you and I, as followers of Jesus, as recipients of his grace, we should not be the second or the third or the fourth or the passive to walk across the racial divide. We should be the first. We should be the first to step across any line Not just race, but any line. When we see anybody different from us, we dream of the day when anybody can walk through these doors and they can feel as though, okay, I'm not a standout here. I'm not alone here. I feel welcomed here. The message of the gospel can come to me in this place, and this place is representative. It is a glimpse of Revelations chapter 7, what we'll one day see in heaven. A little over a year ago, I sensed God pushing me I would say pushing, prompting for sure, to reach out uh, to an African-American pastor here in our city. And so I did that, and we began to meet regularly, and we're going to connect again this week. I can't wait. But here's the thing, and we talk about this very often. We kind of joke about it together. Our unapologetic reason for getting together and building a friendship is this. I want him to push me in this area of diversity, and he wants the same. And I'll tell you, it's been so good for me because I'm learning things that I didn't even know I didn't know. You sit across from somebody who's different from you, and you take time to ask them questions and to hear their story, and all of a sudden it begins to shift and to change your perspective, and I'm learning the things that I don't even know, and I'm asking God, okay, would you continue, Lord, to lead me, lead us in this way? I'm learning that it takes intentionality, but I'm learning that it is right, and it is so incredibly worth it, so worth it. Back to the text. So Peter, he has, this, he has this breakthrough moment. And he's realizing, okay, any prejudice that he has is completely wrong. Now, if you keep going in the beginning of chapter 11, you see that Peter goes back to Judah. And he's now with his Jewish friends. And they hear about what he's been doing. They find out that he went to Cornelius' house. And they say this to, the, to him. They say, you went into the house of the uncircumcised men. These are Gentiles. And you, Peter, you ate with them? You read the context there. He's getting pushback. People are saying, hey, well, what are you doing? How could you do that? Why, why, would you do, why would you do such a thing? I mean, come on, don't you know? Unclean out the whole thing. They went down the, the track, pushing back on him. And then Peter tells them the whole story. Peter says, well, I was at home, I was up on the roof, and I had this vision, this stuff came down, and at first I was like, ah, and then I realized, and then I went to Cornelius' house, and I began to see, and God showed me, and all of a sudden I realized, guys, hey, the gift of salvation is not just for one select group, it's for all people. The playing field is totally, totally level, and what's beautiful is that in Acts chapter 11, they get it. 
they get it and they applaud it and they're together on it. And you could say this, you finish that particular part of the text and you go, things are looking so good. Peter, you had a wrong perspective. God stepped in. The power of the gospel made a breakthrough and now things are good. Until you get to Galatians chapter 2. Because you see in Galatians chapter 2 that Peter's heart drifts back to the place that it should have never been. The Apostle Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. It says that when Cephas, when Peter came to Antioch, Paul, the Apostle, writes this. He says, I opposed him to his face. Now, if you don't like confrontation, if harmony is something that is high on your list, you would have hated this moment because it was filled with confrontation. Paul rises up. I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. I mean, it's like, wow, what's going on? Verse 12. For before certain men came to, from James, he, Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, the Jews, he began to draw back and to separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Here's what's happening. Peter, there was a time where Peter was good, but now Peter kind of, the Jews kind of came along and they're looking at him and all of a sudden he feels the pressure and he buckles. And so Paul's saying to Peter, Peter, what's wrong with you? Peter, you were just eating a bacon sandwich with your new Gentile buddies, and now you've got a problem. I mean, you still got mayo on your face, man. Come on, you can't change. You're drifting. What's wrong with you? So the apostle Paul confronts him. He makes it very clear to Peter, this is not right. You cannot do this. I was at the gym on Friday, and I noticed that this guy in the locker room, he was putting some lotion on this tattoo that he I thought he had just gotten. And so I said to him, just trying to make conversation, I said, I like your tattoo. I said, did you just get it? And he said, no, I didn't just get it. He said, and actually, I hate it. And I was like, ooh, that's bad. I think those are permanent, you know. And, and, and he, said, he, said, he said, yeah, he said, I just had the first of what will probably be 10 laser surgeries to get this thing removed. He said, I got it in my 20s. Don't know what I was thinking. Never write your girlfriend's name on your body, guys. You know, just don't do it, Right? Now, have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed that some things are hard to remove? Have you ever noticed that some things that are just, they're really in, truly ingrained in you, they're hard to pull away from? Try to understand Peter's world a little bit. I mean, Peter's been raised up. I mean, I bet you Peter, throughout this whole story, is hearing his mama's voice saying, stay away, Peter, unclean, don't do this, do that. He's thinking, this is how I was raised. This is the culture in which I was brought up in. It's ingrained in him. Verse 13, Paul goes on. He said the others, Jews, they joined Peter in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So other people are going, hey, Pete, what's Peter doing? Okay, Peter's doing it. We'll follow him. Not a good idea this time. Verse 14, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, remember, church, the gospel breaks through. The gospel brings light and truth and redemption. And in this case, the gospel has shed light on this. And Paul's saying, Peter, you are not acting in line with the truth, the teachings, the reality, the truth of the gospel. You are a Jew, and yet you live like a Gentile. And it says that he said this in front of all of them. He's kind of like saying, Peter, stand up. And Peter maybe thought, oh, I'm about to preach. People are going to come to know Christ again. And then he gets confronted. You are a Jew, Peter. 
yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Peter, what are you doing? Peter, how could you divert from the place where you were? Peter, don't you remember what you said when you stood in front of all those people at Cornelius' house before they put their faith in Christ? Do you remember it? Verse 34, so important this morning. He said this. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Church, repeat those yellow words with me. Here we go. One, two, three. God does not show favoritism. Again, God does not show favoritism. Peter, you stood up in front of everybody and you proclaimed it. Everybody's on the same playing field. God, you do not show favoritism. Peter, how can you go back? Peter, don't let your heart drift. And I think the reason why Paul was so hard on him in that moment, why he confronted him, not just in private, but he said, stand up. This is a group confront. I think the reason why he did it is because he knew that when Peter devalued people, Peter was devaluing his God. And the same thing is true for you and I, church, the greatest thing that you and I can do to counter the things in our culture that are not right is to come alongside and to do everything that we possibly can in the name and in the faith of the God who loves us. You have your race, I have my race. The person next to you has theirs. But there is a category that is so much greater. Think of this third category, and it is called we are united under the gospel of Jesus Christ. The third category is called created in the image of God. And it is beautiful. And the playing field is completely level. My brother-in-law is an African-American, and from some of the things that they tell us, we, we learn a lot about some of the challenges that they face, even just this last week of, of raising their kids because of the color of their skin. And it opens our eyes. It helps us see things that I don't think we would, I know I wouldn't have seen before. And I would say this, I have so much to learn on this, but I want to encourage you, church, the more that you get to know people who are different from you, not just racially, economically, every category you can think of, when you see people that are different from you and you step out of your circle and into theirs, I guarantee you this, you, when you know them and when you care for them, it will change your perspective. And your perspective, I believe, will have a breakthrough because of the gospel. Because you'll be reminded, okay, the truth of the gospel, it spans any barrier. Whether it's a barrier that you were raised with, or whether it's a barrier that you just took on yourself, or whether it's a barrier that the culture that you're in moved you towards. The gospel can break through that. Some of you in this room, and I, 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 I think this applies to every single ethnicity. But some of you in this room, you were raised by parents or grandparents that brought you up. They discipled you in this. That you were to think of some groups of people as lesser than yourself because of how they were different from you. And maybe it was inadvertent, maybe it was passive, or maybe it was very overt. But you know that it is not easy to overcome. 
And you can relate to Peter. And you can understand how Peter kind of, he went back to it. Even though, you know, I mean, you, you get that. You understand the tension. And so my challenge for you and I today, and I believe this comes straight out of Acts chapter 10, is this. It's because of the gospel, I believe that Christians above and beyond and before anyone, we should be with joy. The first to walk across any racial divide. Maybe it begins with you doing this. When you see someone who is just not like you, in however that might be, you simply just go out of your way to say, hi, I've been trying to do this. People that I, I, I just realize are uh, very different from me. Just try to say hi. So I had one yesterday. This guy's walking toward me, and I'm seeing it. I'm going, okay, very different from me. Opportunity, here we go. And so I practice it. And I see he walked by, tried to make contact, and I just said, hi. And he looked at me, and he said in his beautiful different accent, I don't know where he's from, but he said, hello, good friend, happy afternoon. And I was like, well, that was easy. I mean, I got a good friend. I mean, here's what I'm saying. It's not that hard, but it is hard, right? It is hard, but it's also not hard to get started. Is there a person in your life that God would say, they're so different from you. Why don't you engage in them with them? Why don't you reach out and say, hey, can I just listen to your story? Can you tell me about your grandparents? Can you tell me about you? Where are you from? What's your culture like? And see what God does. And I believe that, again, the gospel will break through. Because our unity, the thing that we are unified around is Jesus Christ. Christ. There is an ethnicity that supersedes everything, and it's our connection to Jesus Christ. I believe that's what Acts 10 says to us. In Acts 11, it breaks down these walls of ethnicity. Church, imagine the day as we look into the future, and we think not only of this campus, but when we think of other campuses in our city, imagine the day when we're worshiping together and there is no one that would walk through the doors of this place and they would go, you know what, I'm just, I'm kind of the, 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 the person that feels a little bit alone here. Imagine the day when multiple, many, many, we continue to grow in this, many ethnicities are worshiping Jesus Christ. Might it be a symbol? to our city, that our God is so good, we can overcome differences because we worship the one who is above all. I think it's powerful to hear somebody pray in a language that is not your own. And uh, the reason I think it's powerful is because when I can't understand it, I do know that God can understand it, right? And so I want to do this. I want to end our service today by in inviting a man in our, that's been a part of our church for about six months now. His name is Raju. And so Raju, if you want to come out. Um, Raju uh, has been not only just a part of our church for a pretty short period of time, but what's unique about Raju is he's made a pretty significant impact in the short amount of time that he's been here. Um, he and some others led a group right around Christmas that reached out to other friends that they have from India. Um, people that live right here in Omaha, over a hundred came. They heard his story. They heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, it's a privilege, Raju, to have you here. And um, just wanted him to be able to pray for us as we end our service. But Raju, tell us just a little bit about your faith story. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Uh, I, was, uh, I grew up in India as a 
very strong Hindu. Uh, I believed in polytheism of many gods, but uh, my older brother told me, introduced me about Jesus. Mm. And uh, Jesus sent me many people in my life mm. to just show his love. It took very, very long time for me to understand his love. Mm. And uh, I, I was just looking for a breakthrough that he yeah. was sharing. And uh, I just looked up to Jesus and said, just do a breakthrough in my life and, you know, reveal yourself to me. Mm. And then Jesus did a miracle in my life and I, I had an opportunity to encounter with God and he changed my life from that day. Mm. Um, I became very new in my mm. thinking, in, in my way of doing things. Uh, I'm so blessed and having faith with Jesus, mm. I'm so blessed to be mm. uh, a follower of Jesus and being mm. uh, in, I mean, in, in his uh, Awesome. in his word. Well, you've been a blessing to have here, Raju. And Raju is um, most likely going to need to move back to Texas, where he uh, most recently was. Yeah. And um, Raju, I thought we'd just take this opportunity with your church family here just to tell you we don't think that's a good idea. We think, <laughs> think you should stay right here. So yeah. anyway, we love you. Yeah. And um, can you pray, pray for us sure right do. now? Thank you. I'll pray in English and then Telugu. Yeah. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we praise you for what you are. We worship you, Lord, for you are the creator God. And we thank you for sending your only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the Calvary's cross while we are yet sinners. We praise you, Lord. And all the nations, all the ethnicities and races deserve to know you, Lord. We praise you for that, Lord, as, as a Brookside church. Lord, uh, you stir up the whole Brookside church and everyone who is sitting here, Lord, to carry out that mission to go out to the world with the gospel, to go, go out to the next street with the gospel, to be used in your name. We submit all of our, ourselves into your mighty hands. Use us for the glory of you alone. మీరుచేసినాయకంగా